This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome to Total Saints Podcast, the last episode of 2019 and indeed the decade, with a dedicated weekly pod that goes to the heart of all things Saints FC. And this past week, either side of Christmas, all things Saints has included a fantastic win at Aston Villa, a fantastic win at Chelsea and a respectable one-all draw versus Crystal Palace. To help reflect on these fixtures and look ahead to the upcoming games against Tottenham and Huddersfield Town, the latter in the FA Cup, is Steve, Glenn and Lucy. Steve, you were a little bit bar humbug in the last pod, so did Christmas live up to your expectations? I kind of lived down to it, yeah. It was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a quiet one for me. Um, yeah, ran with families on Christmas Day and then drove back late that afternoon because who doesn't like uh, like driving on the motorways uh, on Christmas Day when it's absolutely empty? It's brilliant. It's like the autobahn, you can get up to at least seventy-five on the M27, I imagine. Yes, and the M3. Good, 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 good. And Lucy, I know you weren't on the last pod, but I'm assuming Hynet household was uh, a thoroughly enjoyable Christmas as well. Lots of decorations, I imagine. Yeah, well, we were at the in-laws for Christmas. I've had like a, a couple of days off from eating and drinking and now we're at my parents for more eating and drinking. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's good stuff. Where are your parents based in the world? Just for all the listeners out there that are now wondering. Oh, Nottingham. Nottingham. So not far from Robin me. Robin Hood country. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's good. Um, just had a lot of cheese. So um, looking forward to some more booze later. Yeah. yeah. All right. How the other half live, eh? Uh, and Glenn, as uh, as I uh, mentioned, I, I think all of our Christmases have improved somewhat uh, due to the fact that Saints have managed to pick up some points over that period. So obviously we'll talk about some of the games in a minute, but I think we're all feeling naturally more merrily. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the football's been excellent. It's usually the, you know, I, I try not to let the football spoil my Christmas, but um, this year I haven't had to do that at all. It's been yeah. uh, it's been pretty good. Seven points out of nine. Um can't argue with that at all. No, absolutely. So, well, I think certainly from my point of view, um, had a really good Christmas myself. Where, albeit we we got one of those Amazon Echo dots. I don't know if any of you guys have got those. Yeah, but, uh, got yeah. Okay. So I think I think poor Alexa is already worn out uh, from my children ordering it to do or play something every thirty seconds or ask it what the weather's doing that sort of thing. So I'm not sure if an Alexa has ever resigned yet, but uh, I'm expecting ours to uh, to do so very soon. But uh, there we go. I think that was probably the highlight of Christmas and getting the uh, 3D St Mary Stadium, which uh, I think a few people have said is rather fiddly because it's not lego it's bricks but uh, i'm working on that oh. as well so yeah it's very very fiddly uh, if you haven't got it yet it's uh, it's uh, a labor of love i think will be the uh, the the phrase there have you but, started uh, yet i have i'm up to layer three so page three um how many pages are there oh i've not even looked that far ahead but the pieces are minute so it's going to take a while but uh, there oh. we go so uh, anyway does, as does I, it does oh, it come sorry. with a twenty thousand um seater nicola cortese expansion pack? <laughs> it comes with the fan zone <laughs> the fan zone yeah it, obviously it's an empty stadium as well which 
which is a bit like St Mary's uh, at the moment. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it looked very impressive when I saw it in the superstore. So the finished one looks good, Glenn. But yeah, I've not made much progress on it yet. But uh, okay. there we go. Watch this space. But uh, anyway, as this is the last pod of uh, decade 2010-2019, I'm going to test our panel on their Saints no. memory of the past Please 10 years. Go. Lucy is very excited about that. In a quiz I've called Saints the last 10 years. Do we have to do this? Yeah, really? totally. I've spent honestly, I've spent all week preparing this. It's going to be amazing. So. I'm really bad at this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, but you won't be. You won't be. I promise. Just wait for it. It'll be. A, it's. It's a long in a while. But uh, as I say, it's. It's the one they all want to win. And even though Lucy's playing that down, I, I reckon that's the case. So stay tuned. Now, speaking of winning, congratulations to Daniel Goldspink, a Saints fan based in Malaysia, who came up with the winning entry for the recent Name the New Sunday competition we ran, despite entries including Melt Latiz and Musa Gelato. Daniel's The Dowlicious was a perfect mix of ice cream name and Saints tradition. So Mike of Sundays at the Beach has started selling The Dowlicious already. So well done to Daniel. Now, as you may remember in the last pod, Steve's comment uh, also was about uh, 2,000 Saints fans at Wembley possibly missing Gabbiadini's two goals when uh, he scored just before half-time and uh, just after half-time. So I had to read out one of our patrons. I won't name names because I don't want to embarrass him, but uh, one of our patrons got in touch with an email and uh, said, uh, love the Christmas podcast, thought the worst team of the decade was so hilarious, laughed out loud multiple times. Well done, Glenn. Uh, just wanted to fess up to something I never thought I'd admit to. I flew from San Francisco all the way to London for the League Cup final went to the match at Wembley and was one of those dumb asses who missed both of our goals for the first one I think I went in to grab a beer and for the second I think I was taking a we'll just call it a number one potentially the biggest match I'll ever see Saints play and I missed both the goals hashtag major facepalm so there you go Steve we only need to find 1,999 of the other ones now excellent good stuff uh, look, just finally before we finish up, obviously on a serious note, TSP absolutely want to uh, pass on our massive congratulations to Saints legend Francis Benali on his well-deserved MBE that was announced this week. Great recognition for a great man who joined us, of course, on TSP 90 if you want to listen back. And finally, finally, before we get going, it's now less than two weeks before TSP 100 Live. Tickets have been selling consistently, which we are very grateful for. But if you are, I'm in an hour and a back. Getting one for you and or a friend or family member, why not? Just go to www.eventbrite.com co.uk and search for Total Saints or TSP 100 Live. It's £10 per ticket plus a small booking fee with 100% of the £10 going to Saints Foundation and there'll also be an auction with some cool Saints stuff on offer to bid for on the evening as well. Hope to see you there. Right, okay, that's uh, enough of an intro. In partnership with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk and sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk, this is TSP 96. I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to start. How easy is the process? It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happyhottubs.co.uk all in all, it's been a really good Christmas for Ralph Hasenhutl and his merry band of red and white men. The period started with a thumping 3-1 win at Villa Park before an incredibly surprising, exciting, delete as appropriate 2-0 win at Chelsea, and then that hard for 1-1 draw against Crystal Palace, as I mentioned. Lucy, it feels like quite a while ago now, but I thought we should touch on it because it was quite a, a massive six-pointer, and coming off the back of the Newcastle and West Ham defeats, that performance and result at Villa Park a couple of weeks ago for Saints winning 3-1 was uh, a really, really big three points, and we know the kind of the momentum that that thing gave us. Yes, it's funny, isn't it, seeing it in a three-game block instead of what well, um, kind of one game as we go. Um, I think I was astounded by how bad Villa were, um, but at the same time, it's been quite unlike Saints to kind of capitalise on that and be quite clinical about it. Um, mm. I couldn't believe quite how much space we have, particularly in wide areas. Um, and I think as much as it's been a kind of a momentum shift for us, it's probably been the same way for, for Villa in a, in a negative way. Mm. Um, you know, when we look back on the season, I think that will be quite an important turning point in the sense that, you know, that was part of a block that kind of shifted us back into the kind of mixer again and, and not quite so under pressure. And and it's moved the likes of Villa really, really into a bad stage where I think it might wouldn't be kind of completely unheard of for Dean Smith to be under pressure at this point um, because they just not only aren't, aren't getting results, but they're looking kind of uncompetitive in doing so. And I think losing to Watford at the weekend as well as really added to that. So um, I think what Saints were 
a lot more in control than I expected. Mm. Um, cause I think often those, those relegation games can be kind of quite nervy and cagey. Yeah. I can't really say anything other than quite positive things, but it would have been, I think, an interesting one had Villa come out of the blocks a bit more aggressively and made more of a, fist of it I think yeah there was certainly some Saints-esque defending from Villa against us and then at yes. uh, Watford at the weekend as well but uh, look Steve I mean we've spoken about Danny Ings pretty much all season because he's been you know one of the few bright lights throughout um his two goals at Villa took him to 11 for 2019-20 and he became only the third Saint after Matt Letizia in 94-95 and James Beattie in 2002-03 to score 10 or more Premier League goals before Christmas in the season we know he's since scored uh, against Crystal Palace as well but just in terms of what he's achieved this season and a side that's naturally struggled sum it up yeah I mean it's it's been kind of a object lesson in ruthless finishing because there's I mean there's very few players who have got um the conversion rate that he has obviously we we're a team that don't create a huge amount of chances and yet there he is with only Aubameyang and Vardy having scored more goals than him this season in the Premier League yeah um, I think he's got the highest percentage of a single team's goals with with 50% now. Yeah. I mean, with obviously Vardy being miles out in front at the moment, um, just kind of shows how many goals Leicester have been scoring all all over the pitch, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been it's been an extraordinary effort, really. Um, particularly when you factor in that, I mean, everyone's always always worried about the fitness side of things. The last five years, he's barely been able to string number of games together, and yet. So far, touch wood, there doesn't appear to have been any issues. They've ma- they seem to have managed his game time very well. Yep. Um, which I think there was an eye- there was an eye on that with the uh, team selection at Chelsea on Boxing Day. Yeah. Um, which obviously worked absolutely perfectly. But at the end of the day, I mean, you you pick your battles, don't you? And they they'd obviously worked on something. And having Obafemi and and Adams both obviously raring to go, and both had had presumably been briefed and building up to it in the, I mean, they'd probably been working on that Chelsea game for a couple of weeks Mm. because of the shortage of time between the games. You probably have to prepare a little bit further in advance. So I suspect that those two probably knew they were playing at Chelsea maybe a week or two ago. Um, So all of a sudden having that, the sort of initiative and the, and the sort of backing of the manager in, Mm. in that sense by getting picked for what is still essentially a big game. Yeah. Um, oh, it's a combination of good man management and also gives those players a bit of a boost. Yeah, and uh, when I made my notes, Glenn, I was keen for us to talk after the Villa game about Jack Stevens as well. Of course, let's forget about the Crystal Palace goal where I know he got outjumped by James Tonkins. Focusing on the Villa game and then sort of the Chelsea game as well. Since he's come back into the side, Glenn, I know you mentioned it a few weeks ago, he's, he's really sort of kicked on from that goal that he scored at the Etihad. And it's not just been, you know, his performances, but I guess the passion he's shown and that sort of leadership s skills that we've seen at the back as well. So over the course of the five, six, seven games that he's come back into the side now, someone that's really, I think, added that positivity and sort of consistency at the back, which is, you know, part of the team now picking up results. Yeah, I mean, all defenders make mistakes. Let's totally. not let's not forget this. All defenders make mistakes, especially defenders for teams down near the bottom of the league. Mm. Um, if defenders are perfect, then, you know, they're Virgil van Dijk, aren't they? Um, Stevens, as has been discussed numerous times, we've got five centre-backs in our squad who were all pretty similar. Yeah. Um, he has made a huge difference since he's, since he's come in. He's going to make the odd mistake, like he did against Palace, and he is still going to have problems against overly physical centre forwards yeah that's that's just like he did against Newcastle but if you if you take that Newcastle game out I think he's been excellent since he's come back in um Ralph obviously wanted to go to a back four um and Bednarek was always going to be one of them so he had Mm. to find the best partner for him um you know Bednarek has to be mentioned as well because he's moved to the left hand side yeah and having always played on the right and he has got back to more or less the level he was at at the end of last season um, and Stevens is obviously a massive part of that. You can tell he talks more mm. than all the other defenders and fair play to him. I mean, I've never been his biggest fan, but you have to hold your hands up and say he's done really well since he's come back in. Moving on to Chelsea then, Steve, just briefly to reflect on that. I think the beautiful thing all of us know and everyone that's listening that follows Saints is with Saints, they're predictably unpredictable. You know, you, you don't fancy them to go somewhere like that. And then, of course, they'll let. Uh, put in a fantastic performance and get a win and uh, I know all of the press has since been about the fact Chelsea lost and their record and you know how bad they were but if we can have some bias on the podcast which of course we want to do it was a brilliant performance from Saints and a massive three points yeah I mean we we set up perfectly and 
it was one of those sort of perfect storm games, wasn't it, where we got our tactics absolutely spot on and we also had the bonus of Chelsea's tactics playing absolutely perfectly into our into our hands. Mm. Um Lampard hadn't learned anything from the West Ham or Bournemouth games that had come relatively recently. Yeah. Uh where the away team set up in exactly the same way. If anything, I think we were probably actually more adventurous than both West Ham and Bournemouth. Um, they both got relative kind of smash and grab wins, whereas I think really we had the only clear chances yeah. um, in the game at Stamford Bridge. I mean, Chelsea had, had a lot of shots, but they were, I mean, apart from really Tammy Abraham's one from... At the beginning of the like, second half. Yeah, yeah. fairly close range right at the start of the second half. Apart from that, I don't remember McCarthy being extended to any um extent apart i mean there was that late free kick that he tipped over but that was all that was always comfortable i think um i think most of us would have probably got that but it was efficient um we were very well organized and you had players that put in season performances yeah um so you had armstrong who was everywhere yeah um you had adams and obafemi who ran their asses off for for the time they were on the pitch, obviously Adam's got what 88, 89 minutes. Mm. Um, Obafemi just over an hour, yep. and they both had a had a big impact. I mean, obviously uh, Adam still isn't getting the goal, and he was unlucky that uh, Tamori got that toe end on on Redmond's cross to take it away from him. Yeah. Um, but I think in the context of the way the game went and the individual performances, I don't think Adams should be too concerned about not scoring in that game because his, his contribution was excellent. Yeah. And, and from a goal scoring point of view, Lucy, I mean, obviously two fantastic goals, which, um, you know, Obafemi scoring first and then a fantastic sort of Brazil-esque team uh, effort for the second <laughs> one. And, uh, I mean, I, you know, lots of people have mentioned that. I was looking it up. I mean, other than Burnley on the opening day of the season where we had that funny 15 minutes, we've scored in every single Premier League away game this season, which when you think of the problems that Saints have had over the last few years scoring goals seems pretty bizarre, but also excellent in terms of, you know, away from home. They are, as we know, I mean, very much a B plus almost you know, a performance this season. I think we have one of the best um, kind of away records outside the top six. We are seventh in away in away performance. Yeah. And I saw Simon Water from the Daily Echo said that only the top four have won more away games than us this season. Yeah, it's kind of isn't it? It's a positive and a negative because you think, you know, that's that's in, incredibly impressive, particularly with the limitations we have. But yeah. also, if we could have even vaguely average home form, we'd be in so much of a better position. Um, and I think it kind of underlines some kind of mentality shift we seem to have away from home for whatever reason Mm. where players find it easier to perform especially kind of from an attacking perspective but that they were excellent goals Mm. um and kind of showed a freedom and confidence which i I think was missing for for us quite a long chunk of the first half of the season where we wondered what the direction was we've shored up on this four two 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 that kind of seems to be the blueprint now a fairly consistent 11 mm. and there seems to be just a lot more direction about what we're doing and even though we might have looked at that lineup from a personnel perspective and thought well that's not how we would normally play particularly up top yeah. um it's still the same system obviously a much deeper lying more narrow approach than we might play at home for example but mm. It's a kind of variation on the same thing. And it seems to me that since we've had that tactical consistency, as well as having, you know, a kind of solid centre-back partnership, that's massive impact on on the performances and the confidence levels and and kind of given players that freedom to create great goals like that. I think think a lot of it is down down to the fact that both Villa and Chelsea, Steve's already touched on it, they go, they both gave us loads of space mm. to play. Yeah. If, you yeah. look at the, if you look at the, the second goal, the, you know, the Brazil team goal, <laughs> we kept the ball for 20 passes or whatever it was. We're pinging the ball around at all stages. Chelsea are trying to get the ball back mm. and we're creating space with clever movement and all this sort of stuff. This is why we win more games away from home because teams are always trying to sort of push out on us yeah, and, yeah. And, and get yeah. the ball. And that's fine. When we play Palace, I knew Palace would be a horrible game because yeah. they They're always sit so gritty, aren't they? Four, five, one, and that's where we struggle. That yeah. is. And where they didn't we... even really try to press us either, did they? They no. kind of just sat there and they, sat they were, deep yeah, and they were basically, basically waiting to get the ball back and then launch it long to Zahar yeah. and Ayu. Mm. Yeah, which that, that, I mean it is which I mean to be fair, if I was Roy Hodgson, that was that would be exactly what I'd try and do as well. Mm, mm. Yeah, but it, it did surprise me that both Villa and Chelsea did not attack our weaknesses. Yeah. Um, you know, it's well documented that you get crosses in the box against us 
Yeah, both Villa and Chelsea have got big guys up front, but they they mm. didn't really. I mean, Chelsea uh, West, was so well, slow getting it into the box. That yeah. was a massive part I mean, of it, wasn't it? Ab- Abraham only he, he only really touched the ball three or four times. It seemed, um, and he always looks like he's going to cry. Funny bloke. <laughs> and, uh, and and Villa centre forward Wesley. I mean, he's just a big lump and he's useless. But um, what was that you said in your blog, Glenn? There's no good footballer called Wesley. No, there isn't a good footballer called Wesley. <laughs> I can't. Not since Wesley Snyder retired. I can't, I can't <laughs> think of a good one called Wesley, but. Uh, that's why the Palace game was a bit more of a struggle. Yeah, and at Chelsea, Glenn, I mean, a rare clean sheet. I think that's our first clean sheet since about 1987, and it feels like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, first yeah, in 14 games. There you go, you see. Wow. It was great. I mean, we mentioned Jack Stevens. I mean, I, I put a tweet out that got ridicule at the end. Even Cedric played well. <laughs> even even yeah. Cedric. There was against Villa. I was looking back through my notes that I did from a blog and. Cedric was the one wig league against Villa. He didn't have a great game there. Yeah. But at Chelsea, we had, we had all 11. Um, Cedric played really, really well in that game. We just looked solid. There were no weaknesses from the goalkeeper right the way through. The two in the centre of midfield, Hoybier and Ward-Prowse. Ward-Prowse was outstanding, brilliant. I thought. They've yeah, been yeah. brilliant. The last, the last three games, it's a total transformation from when we were plodding around with three in midfield yeah, at the start yeah. of the season. He's, he's found it's, something that works, hasn't he? Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have predicted it. I mean, I hold my hands up there. I, mm. I wouldn't have predicted that leaving Romeo out was the answer. No. I think most people were saying, well, Prowse should probably be left out. Yeah. I just said Hoiberg, personally. Yeah, yeah but yeah. You know, it shows how much we know. We, we probably all would have left Romeo in there, but taking him out seems to have brought the best out of uh, the other two. And it's they, they have to take more responsibility now. And I think Ralph's highlighted that in terms of the back three, you know, when you've only got two at the back. They've got to take responsibility. You can't wait for someone else to do it. And I think it's the same applies for the two in midfield. Yeah, and you mentioned Prousey there. I, I saw a stat overnight that he's uh, unsurprisingly run the most out of everyone in the Premier League this season, 210 kilometres, which Google's currently telling me is 130 miles. So, uh, you know, fair play to him for the effort that he's putting in. Just finally, before we briefly touch on the Palace game, uh, Steve, Glenn mentioned Stuart Armstrong earlier. He was someone I just wanted to reflect on as well because... Villa away, Chelsea away. I mean, I thought he put in two fantastic performances and I, I put a tweet out the other night saying he's kind of waited patiently and professionally on the sidelines for his chance. He's not moaned, he's not groaned, he's not been um, sort of out in the press or anything like that. He's kind of waited for his chance and he's come in and had two really, really impactful games where he's added some real creativity and energy to Saints. Yeah, I mean, I think part of his issue has been um, fitness and stamina. Mm. Um, whereas... I mean, as we mentioned, War Prowse seems to run forever. I mean, I don't know how much of that is whether he's actually in the right position or not, but uh, and it's just kind of making up for space yeah. in a way that like Wambasaka does for Man United and that sort of thing. Um, but Armstrong's fitness and stamina hasn't been of the highest level ever since he joined us last year. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you remember his, his debut at home to Burnley. Um, he was excellent for 55 minutes and then, yeah, and then got, dropped uh, off a cliff. And, yeah, well, and then got injured, and mm. and we then didn't see him for six weeks, mm. and it's it's been a frustrating stop-start time for him with us so far, um, and obviously him coming into form around Christmas, around the time where you're playing every two or three days, is obviously unfortunate because you're not going to be able to pick him reliably um, every game. Yeah, uh, which is obviously why he was he was um, left out yesterday for the Palace game, but he's um, a player that I think. When he is fit, and when we're when we're back to only playing one game a week, I think he'll be a regular fixture because mm. he does offer that sort of more advanced and more sort of inventive link between the midfield and attack. And he he is the guy who will um, get on the end of things. He will be the one making the late break into the box. I mean, we've we've seen War Prowse do it occasionally, like that mm. that good run he had last season where he was scoring quite a few goals from arriving late in the box for yep. basically a tap, a tap in from eight yards. Obviously, since he's moved back into this sort of more withdrawn midfield role, he's not going to, he's not going to be in a position to do that. Mm. Um, whereas Armstrong, I think in, in that more advanced two of the four, two, two, two is going to give him the opportunity to do that. And I mean, to be honest, I think from, from open play, Armstrong is, is almost certainly a better finisher than Warprouse anyway. All right, well, there was no doubt and Ralph was delighted with the Chelsea game. Here's what he had to say to SouthamptonFC.com afterwards. We came here with a lot of self-confidence after the last game in, in, in Villa and we wanted to show up again. And we wanted to show ourselves uh, how far we are now uh, uh, compared to the first clash against uh, Chelsea. And, uh, yeah, it was a massive difference, I think. Now we were prepared for both shapes. We, we knew that they can be play the back five and then... 
uh, we had to change a little bit in the dressing room before the game. And in the halftime, we knew they changed the shape again. We were prepared for both things. So you felt all the time that the team is, uh, yeah, absolutely good organized. And uh, they were working unbelievably against the ball, uh, defending the box. Uh, we're very brave when we had the ball because that's also important against such an opponent. Don't give it away too quick. Try to let them run a little bit. Try to create a chance if you have the time to. And I think the second goal was the best example of how we can play and, and, and what we want to do. Our final fixture of the decade was against Palace this weekend with it ending 1-1. And as I mentioned earlier, Lucy and I predicted uh, that spot on. So it's made the Prediction League very, very exciting. Um, Lucy, just to sort of finish the week, seven points out of nine. As you said, we know Palace were going to be a tough side to beat. They don't roll over easily. But two games in sort of 48 hours for Saints. Um, we know our home record's been pretty touchy as well, particularly going a goal down. And, you know, arguably could have won it at the end. But all in all, a decent point to end a, a really good week. Yes, it was a game that I think most of us expected in the style that it was played. Mm. Um, I don't think it was one for the neutral. Uh, in fact, I think the first hour of football was just pretty diabolical and not particularly enjoyable. Um, I, I quite enjoyed it. Not, really? I'm not, not, yeah, I'm not, not quite sure why. I think, I think it was the... The vodka. You, no, well, maybe, but... Yeah, there we I, get. We got to was, the bottom of it quite quickly. I, watching it, I kind of felt like... I could see what we were trying to do for the whole game. There was, yes, no, there that was is a, true. There was a very distinct plan, and and you, I mean, to be honest, you could say there was a very distinct plan from both teams, mm. and you could see how both teams were trying to suss each other out, and it was yeah. just a case of who was going to blink first. I'm not sure clear game plans though necessarily make for a good watch. Well, we've but we've not had it for so long. So <laughs> oh, it, so you just like just made a pleasant. <laughs> Steve yeah. is excited because we had a game plan. Full stop. I think another, I think that has been the kind of common pattern between Particularly you know, at home. our good good run is that has been a clear game plan. Yeah. Um, I think that comes from the, the consistency we're talking about in terms of personal and stuff. But Ralph so admitted after the Chelsea game, I think Lucy didn't he that he'd and I think it was on Amazon interview that he yeah, lost his way yeah. a little bit and that sort of thing. You know, so it's good that he's held his hand up and kind of learned from that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that was quite a brave thing to say in a way because I think there's so much pressure on Premier League managers, particularly at the bottom of the table. Mm admitting kind of mistakes and admitting that you've lost your way is quite a brave thing to say because it almost invites that pressure and I think as much as we talk about the improvements over the last three or four games a massive credit has to go to the board actually for kind of sticking with Hazen Hootel because I think there was a period five or six weeks ago where as much as I was with sticking with Ralph I could totally understand the calls of some people who questioned where we were going because mm. it seemed pretty rudderless and and he didn't seem to have a clear idea of what he wanted to do with the team. You know, sticking with him has paid dividends because I don't think I can't see any way whoever you'd employ as a replacement could have got the performances he's got out of them. There's evidence of, of kind of Hasenhutl's stamp on the whole way we've played in the last few weeks. That's the result of a year of hard work. Mm. Um, and, and as much as he might have changed the shape a lot of the kind of aggressive pressing and that kind of style of play is quite consistent. So I think, going back to the Palace match, <laughs> I think we can see that there is a clear game plan, but Palace were kind of almost perfectly suited to deal with it. Um, and I think that was probably why we almost kind of cancelled each other out to a certain degree. I think Gineppo had a huge impact on the game in terms of making it a much more positive one from, from his arrival. Um, and I think on a different day, we might have got a win. And that's not to say I think we deserved a win, um, mm. because... I think that first hour where we kind of did cancel each other out was what you'd, you'd remember of the game. But I think in terms of his ability to put pressure on defenders, you know, when he's out of possession and then to put them on the backside when, when he's in possession, I think that had a, a massive impact on the game and just offered us something different. And I thought Armstrong was also quite positive off the bench as well. Um, but yeah, it was only for that last sort of 15 or 20 minutes that I felt that we were really on top and probably could have got something at the end. We absolutely battered them for the last 15, 20 minutes, didn't we? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think we'd have scored if they hadn't have given us a goal. That is true, yeah. yeah. I mean, it did kind of come out of the blue. It kind of felt yeah. as if we're, we're kind of ambling aimlessly towards this yeah. inevitable, oh God, we've just lost 1-0 again. Just briefly, Glenn, I mean, just on that point that, that you raised, I thought, and lots of people have mentioned this, but if you watch the, the replays of the goal, before Kelly even kicks it, Danny Ings is already making that run as though he's going to go and yeah. close the keeper down. He's, I mean, that's yeah. something that we've lacked. You know, it's that real striker's mindset, isn't it? You know, he's already making that run, and that's why he gets that ball ahead of Tompkins. Yeah, and it, it yeah, the anticipation he showed. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
funnily enough, I only watched it back about 10 minutes before we started recording this. And uh, yeah, and um, it reminded me a little bit of his goal at Tottenham where he caught Lloris, mm. you know, with the ball in that he, he's making the move before anyone's even realised that he's making it or even thinking about it. Mm. Um, I, I can guarantee that none of our other strikers would have been that quick onto the ball. Um, they wouldn't have started the run beforehand. They might have run after the ball had gone behind Tompkins sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Ings was always going to get there from the moment the ball left Kelly's foot. And he was always going to score as well. And that, that was the thing. It was just so unsurprising when the ball hit the net. Okay, it's time for our TSP quiz. The one day, whoever they are, have all been waiting for. After very little deliberation and zero use of our marketing budget, it's been titled Saints, The Last Ten Years. Catchy, eh? So here's the instructions and rules. All three of our panel members will get five questions on Saints over the past decade. I've tried to make the questions similar in difficulty, and they're grouped into particular themes. Now, no Googling or cheating, and there will be points deducted if I think any of you are doing that. So I've tried to make it as easy as I can to get some uh, positive answers here so uh, as I say points will be deducted but first up an easy one to get your starters so this section is called missing managers ladies first Lucy one point for the correct answer fill in the blank here okay so it's a missing manager Alan Pardew Dean Wilkins blank Maurizio Pochettino Nigel Atkins there you go you see easy right Glenn likewise fill in the blank Maurizio Pochettino Ronald Koeman blank Maurizio Pellegrino Claude Puel. Yes, flying. Steve, not many to go. Now, here's yours. Claude Puel, Maurizio Pellegrino, blank, Ralph Hasenhutl. Mark Hughes. There we go. Everyone, everyone's favourite. You've all got The legendary point. Mark Hughes. See? No one is going to end on zero. Right. The second section is called Goals, Goals, Goals. So, Lucy, one point for the correct answer again, and it's multiple choice, all right? Sadio Mane scored the current fastest Premier League hat-trick in history against Aston Villa at St Mary's in May 2015. What was the official time between his first and third goals? Was it A, 2 minutes 36 seconds, B, 2 minutes 46 seconds, or C, 2 minutes 56 seconds? I think it's 2 minutes 56. Well done, Lucy. There you go. You see, you're flying. Excellent. All right, Glenn. Ricky Lambert scored a hat-trick against Watford in our championship season, 25th of February 2012, up at Vicarage Road. What was the official time between his first and third goals? Was it A, 59 minutes, B, 69 minutes, or C, 79 minutes? Oh, yeah, because this one's in the record book somewhere, isn't it? Just guess. <laughs> it's just a bit of fun, Glenn. We're only on the oh, second question. Come on, it's serious. Toys uh, out the pram. Oh, serious toys, business. Toys, toys out the pram. B, whatever that was. 69 minutes is wrong, unfortunately. It was 59, oh, which is go. A, which uh, he scored on 13, 21, and a penalty on 72. Right, Steve, finally, in November 2011, Ricky also scored a hat-trick against Brighton Hove Albion and the despicable Gus Poyet and Maurizio Tirico <laughs> at St Mary's. How long did it take Ricky to score his three goals? Was it A, 10 minutes, B, 20 minutes, or C, 30 minutes? Ooh... Well, they were all in the second half, they weren't were. they, I think? You don't get a point for that, but they were. Uh, what was it, 10, 20 or 30? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to go 30. Oh, unlucky, it was 20. So ah. he scored on 49, a penalty on 58. Uh, that, I think that was when Jose Fonte was fouled about 10 yards outside the box. Yeah. And a 69-minute penalty as well. So, uh, OK, after that round, Lucy, you're winning. I'm so the, enthu- the enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. Right. The third section is called Who Am I? Okay. So this is slightly different. Oh, you'll, you'll, you'll get three clues to try and name the ex Saints player who's played for the club during the past decade. All right. If you get it after the first clue, you'll get three points. The second clue, you'll get two points. And the last clue, you'll get one point. And after each clue I've given you, you can have one guess. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Good. Right. Lucy, you're first up. Okay. So clue number one. I signed for Saints in August 2010 from Chesena, initially on a five-month loan deal, before signing permanently in January 2011. So he came from Italy, initially on loan, and then signed um, permanently. Gooley? Oh, my oh. word. Nailed it. 
<laughs> there you go, three no. points. Well done. Uh, really? Yeah, see? I never would have got that. All that derogatory <laughs> comment I was, before. I was, I was just about to butt in and say, can we jump in? <laughs> right, so the second clue was, I'm Brazilian and according to TransferMarket.com, eventually played 118 times to Saints in all competitions, scoring 23 goals. And clue number three was, my first name is actually Galerma, but you'll probably know me by a shorter version of that or even as the Maverick Samba Assassin. So there you go. Three points, Lucy. Well done. Right, Glenn, your turn. Pressure's on. <laughs> Clue number one. When I signed for Saints in 2013, Nicola Cortese allegedly sent Maurizio Pochettino a text message which simply read, <laughs> I've bought you a present. Danny Osvaldo. Ah, oh, there you go. This is too easy. Yeah, there you go. Well done. So clue number two was I'm Italian, joined from Roma, and according to TransferMarket.com, played only 13 games for Saints, scoring three goals. Clue number three, my best goal for Saints was against Manchester City at St Mary's, although I'm arguably remembered most for having an alleged training ground bust-up with Jose Fonte. There you go, well done. Right, Steve, the pressure's definitely on now then. Mm. Here's your one. So clue number one, I originally signed for Saints on loan in September 2009, making 39 appearances in all competitions during the 2009-10 season under Alan Pardew, scoring seven goals. Uh, Richard Chaplow. Oh, it's a good guess, but it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> Clue number two, I had a very unique celebration which involved me running to a corner flag, undertaking a form of tribal dance before mimicking that my neck was being cut off. Oh, I know. Oh, um, Papawago. There you go, you got it, well done. So you get two points for that, Steve. The last one, of course, was that I scored the third goal in our JPT win at Wembley in 2010, a rare occasion when I wasn't offside. Right, last couple of questions. So number four is St Mary's attendances, all right? So again, this is based on the last decade. It's multiple choice again as we play Guess the St Mary's Attendance, highlighting the largest home gatherings over the last decade. So Lucy, again, you're first up. So in season 2014-2015, our highest St Mary's Premier League attendance of the season came against Liverpool. Again, we lost 2-0, largely because of the ineptitude of Kevin Blind as a bat friend. Anyway, was the St Mary's attendance that day A, 30,066, B, 32,509, or C, 31,723. It's pure guesswork this round. C. You sure you're not Googling? Well done. Right, Glenn, in season 2011-12, our highest St Mary's Championship attendance of the season came against Coventry on the final day of the season as Nigel Adkins lads wrapped up promotion with a scintillating 4-0 win. I was smashed. I don't (laughs) remember. So was the St Mary's attendance, Glenn, on that day A, 31,497, B... 32,363 or C, 30,978. I'm going to go B. Well done, Glenn. There you go. It was a packed yeah. house. Uh, Steve, last one then. In 2016-17, our highest Premier League attendance at St Mary's came against West Ham United in February as Claude Puel's side lost 3-1 despite Manolo Gabbiadini giving us a 12th minute lead with his first goal for Saints. Was the St Mary's attendance that day, Steve, A, 32,013? B, 31,891, or C, 31,247? Uh, B. Well done, Steve. Go That's good. Yep, you're spot on. So, well done. The last question is player of the season winners, all right? So, it's fairly simple. I'll name the year, and you tell me who won the club's official player of the season award, so not the Daily Echo. So, listen, there's two points if you get it right straight away, and if not, I have a clue I can give you if you need a clue, and if you get it after that, you get one point, all right? Cedric. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, so Lucy, <laughs> season 2015-2016, who won the club's official player of the season award for two points? 2015-2016. Yeah. Romeo? It's not. I, I can give you the clue for one point as well, okay. and I'll do that with the other guys as well. So I'm an Irish striker, still at the club oh, now. Oh, Shane Long. I say striker, but yeah, so uh, one point. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well done. He won Player of the Year. He did. He won the Cubs. <laughs> well, well I, th- I think everyone was in shock, shock that he got, he got into double figures goals. Didn't exactly. Didn't he did. So in this in a season when we had Van Dyke and all that lot, yeah, Shane Long won Player of the Year. My word. Everyone public, loves Trier. Public votes. My word. <laughs> um, right, Glenn. So season 2012-2013. Yes. Who won Saints Player of the Season that year? Ricky Lambert. So here's your clue for one point. I'm French and now at Everton via Man United. Morgan Schneiderlin. Well done. Excellent. You should get an extra point for the accent. Uh, Steve, final question then. 2010. 
2011, so the early days. 2010-11, so that was promotion season in League One. So, ugh. Jose Font, maybe? Oh, nailed it, Steve. Well done. Yep, right. I'm just going to add up the scores. So the final scores are Steve and Glenn on six. Lucy Heinert, seven points, the winner. Well done, Lucy. Thanks. Yay, well done. <laughs> That's been your favourite quiz, Saints, the last ten years, likely to never be seen or heard of again. Up next for Saints is the visit of Jose Mourinho's Tottenham side on New Year's Day. Glenn, were you surprised that Spurs eventually got rid of Pochettino and also that they then replaced him with Mourinho or not? Uh, not surprised that they got rid of Pochettino. Um, I think that was coming from the tail end of last season. As soon as they didn't win the Champions League final, yeah. Pochettino seemed to, I don't know, he kind of go into that mode that some managers go into where they're just going to kind of snipe and moan about everything and you know not really look like their heart's in it anymore. Um, I think what he did last season with Spurs was was basically overachieve. Mm. And the only way you can overachieve again is by, well, you know, if you stand still in football, you go backwards, basically. And they were never going to spend the amount of money that was going to enable him to um, take it forward. So I could see why he was fed up. And I think eventually that permeates throughout the club and the, the owners don't have a lot of choice. Um, was I surprised they got Mourinho in? No, because he'd, he'd been kind of touting himself. Mm. On uh, in the media for, for, for quite a while. He kept his hand in doing punditry and stuff. And he's, I don't know if anyone ever saw his punditry, but he was usually sort of quite brilliant. It was mm. almost like he was doing a job interview. Yeah. Um, he, he was very impressive whenever they spoke to him. And uh, just to remind people that, and I don't know how old he is now, mid-50s, I guess, but he's, you know, I might be mid-50s, but I'm still around sort of thing. And uh, I think ultimately he will, he will do a very good job for Tottenham. He will add that, sort of winning mentality that they've they've never had and I I'd be amazed if he doesn't you know win them the trophies that they haven't won since 1840 or whatever I think he'll <laughs> I think he'll I think he will ultimately do a very good job there and Steve look I mean they'll be coming into this game having won one draw one and lost one of their last three of course they drew at Norwich um, VAR aside over the weekend um, Saints of course will be coming into it unbeaten in three we did beat them in the uh, similar fixture last season of course thanks to Prowse's free kick so we know that Saints will probably be full of confidence but we know Tottenham are a good side and they will create chances so it's probably quite a hard one to predict really yeah I mean I, I don't really share Glenn's confidence about Mourinho. I think they they seem to almost have done the, the full Mourinho three-year cycle in the space of about three months <laughs> that he's that he's been there. Like the the last two or three weeks have been shambolic from their perspective, um, and they were quite lucky to get any sort of result at, at Norwich um, the other night. Um, I mean, if they put in that sort of performance against us, we'll beat them. Mm. Um, I've absolutely no doubt about that. The issue will be whether we can bring the performance that will prompt them to collapse in a heap, as they kind of did in the second half against us last season. Yeah, um, We were very lucky in that game last season that they didn't basically go for the jugular when they were 1-0 up, yeah. because we, were, we basically didn't show up first half. Ralph gave everyone a good kicking at half-time, and we came out and, um, and sort of tore into them and, and got, got ultimately a deserved win. They're obviously still a good team. They're they're still up in what sixth place, I think. Yep. So they're they're obviously no mugs, but they are not the side that they were even last season. Yeah. I would say. Um, I mean, first half of last season, I think the second half of last season, particularly away from home, they were poor, and their Champions League exploits kind of masked the fact that they were actually already on sort of massively on the come down. Yeah. Um, I think what Mourinho's doing at the moment, if I can just jump in there, I think what he's doing in his first few games pre-January, he's kind of having a look at some players. I noticed the guy who made the horrendous mistake against Norwich, um, Juan Foyth, he, he never usually plays and he's kind of given him a game. So I think the results have been a little bit inconsistent because well, they still won. Letting players hang themselves out to dry, if you yeah. like. So he loves it, doing that kind of thing as well because yeah, it lets yeah. him isolate exactly who he wants to isolate and force them out and yeah. kind of create the siege mentality, which he loves to inspire at every club he seems to be at, whether they're good or not kind of thing. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. He's, he's already obviously undermined Derek Dyer by taking him off after 20 Yeah, minutes. yeah. Uh, undermined and Dom Belay, um the other day um, went, supposedly said that he, he well, didn't, didn't want to play, play. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why, why, why would you? Why would you come out and say that? Just say he's injured. Nobody's gonna be any any the wiser. 
brand new signing, rec- record signing for what sixty million quid. Yeah. You're not going to be. And he's only him just anything. turned twenty three as well. It's not like yeah. he's you know a finished. It's not product. like he's a seasoned pro. It's also it's, interesting it's, that some of their some of their traditionally very strong players don't seem to be playing as well. Um, Toby Alderweireld doesn't seem to be the player he was two years ago. Although Tom, he's just signed yeah. a new contract. Yeah, yeah. Kane's yeah. yeah. yeah, scoring goals, but he's, he's he's not playing well. No, he's not moving, is he? And he's very deep, very very yeah. deep. It's mm. like Deli Ali's a striker almost. Yeah, yeah. Tongan is another one who doesn't seem to be playing as well as he um, as he was before. So could be a good time to play him. It was like Saint saying that uh, Obafemi was out with sickness. I just assumed he'd loved his goal so much that he went out and got hammered in Southampton on the uh, Boxing Day night, and then wasn't really fit for uh, the ground. But there you go. So let's have some predictions. And the prediction table is looking very very competitive now. Uh, based on the uh, recent uh, Christmas fixtures. So uh, Steve is on 13 points. Both myself, Lucy and Glenn are all on 15 now. So very, very competitive. Um, Lucy, for the Tottenham game then, uh, what's your prediction for that one? I'm going for a 1-1 draw. I I fancy they're a little bit on the rock. The Norwich result will have been a bit of a shock. So I'm I'm thinking we can get something out of that. Although, you know, if you'd asked me a few weeks ago, I'd probably say something completely different. So uh, (laughs) there we go. Fair enough. That's good. Steve, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I still subscribe to the the idea that away from home, Spurs are a a little bit flaky mm. and they can be got at. And I mean, if we if we've got the game plan that that I'm sure Ralph will be coming up with, then I think we can win this game. Yeah. Um. So I'm going for I'm going for two one. Ooh, right, like nice, it. like that. Cool. Uh, Glenn, what about you? Yeah, I'm with I'm with Steve. There's yeah. there's obvious weaknesses in this Spurs team, especially at right back. With Aurier is just a clown. Um, so if we've got Gineppo on the left wing or Redmond or Buffalo, whoever it is, um, I fancy us to have some joy down there. Um, their defence doesn't look strong. And as long as we can handle Kane up front and our centre back stand up. Our fancies for a two-one win as well. Yeah, especially with Gazaniga in goals. So uh, um, yeah, um, right. Yeah. I um. <laughs> I, I'm going to go for a tour, Desmond or Steve Grant here. So I, I think, um, yeah, as you say. I thought I was being optimistic with my draw, and now I feel like I've been very negative. <laughs> just because I've gone for a draw as well? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Right, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think just because Ralph's got a bit longer to work with them, uh, and, uh, you know, I think Spurs are capable of scoring goals, but I, I agree with you guys. I think um, Gazaniga and defensively, there's uh, going to be opportunities for Saints there, so I'm going for uh, two all. But uh, Lucy, look, just before we finish up, after the Spurs game is the uh, Huddersfield Cup game. So hopefully a chance for. Saints, after all the sort of razzmatazz of the Christmas fixtures and uh, not much rest time, a chance for maybe a few of the fringe players, who knows, to sort of come out and, against the team that are struggling in the uh, for the championship. So hopefully, from the Saints' point of view, good chance to get through to the next round of the FA Cup. Yeah, it should be. On paper, you'd think, what, they 19th, 20th in the championship, not doing particularly well, I think relegations hit hard they yeah. weren't really ready for it i don't think in kind of a preparation way even though we Dif- kind of difficult all knew. To change that much for losing mentality isn't it when they're well, losing literally yeah. every week yeah yeah that is true i would expect saints to kind of go with a similar shape to what they've been doing the last few weeks but change the shape the personnel up a little bit i suppose yeah. um chance to kind of give Danny Ings a rest and you know people like you know ward prowse and hoybier that probably have had quite a lot of minutes um and I'm probably feeling the strain a little bit. And and I'd be quite confident that we can come up with quite a solid home win, really. Um, I'm not particularly concerned by much. I've seen them a couple of times this season and I, there's nothing that particularly concerns me. So, yeah, I think opportunity to kind of give give people opportunities to, um, you know, fringe players to have a, have a go. Um, and, yeah, hopefully a straightforward win. But then, you know, it's Saints, so is there ever a straightforward win? There's certainly not, is there? But uh, no. no. But I think I think we're all agreed, just sort of yes or no answers, if uh, particularly no's, but I think we're all agreed still very much that a club like Saints should absolutely be taking cup runs seriously. We know Ralph did that with the uh, Carabao Cup, so I think we're all agreed, you know, he should probably try and put out a stronger side as possible, right? Yeah, given that we're not in the complete brown stuff that we were six weeks ago. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. I, th- I think yeah. if we if we were still, like, properly mired in it, um, you'd have to throw it then, then, yeah. then yeah you'd, you'd probably make an argument for just tossing it and saying yeah, do whatever we'll um, just give ourselves a couple of extra weekends where we will actually have a have a game off mm. and be able to kind of work on getting things right for the, for the more important league games but now we've now we've built up a little bit of a head of steam um, yeah no reason why we can't kind of vaguely attack it yeah. All right, just for fun then, making it abundantly clear that this is not for the Prediction League because that's only for the Premier League. Let's rattle through these. Glenn, Huddersfield at home, what are you going for? 2-0. 2-0. Me too. I'm going for 2-0 to jump in there. Lucy? 2-0. 2-0. Yeah, 
2-0. Steve, 2-0 round? 4-1. Thanks for listening to TSP96 and thanks also for all of your listens and support across 2019. Likewise, thanks to Steve, Lucy and Glenn for their efforts so far this season. Like all of you guys out there, I wish you three a very happy new year when it comes. That's it for the decade now and what a roller coaster it's been. Just a few memories that stick out. A Johnson's Paint Trophy Wembley win, back-to-back promotions, cheering on some incredible talents, waving off some mercenaries, winning a game 8-0, losing a game 9-0, finishing 6th in the Premier League under Ronald, beating Inter Milan 2-1 at St Mary's, playing against them in front of 8,000 Saints fans at San Siro. A couple of nervy but successful relegation battles and of course ending it all by stuffing them lot 4-0 in their own backyard. None of that would have been possible without the late and great Marcus Lieber saving our club. Let's hope the next 10 years are at least half as much fun. See you in 2020. Up the Saints and keep marching in. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.